If you have uh, your Bible, your device, you can turn to Genesis 50 and you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. This is the ninth message in our Joseph series. This one's called the pardon test. Someone said, or asked me, are you going to tell us how to discover our destiny? I am. Next weekend, it's called the purpose test, but you'll have to come back for that next weekend. This week's the pardon test. So let's go back to the story. Remember, Joseph's brothers sold him as a slave. He was a teenager. They were going to kill him. And then the older brother said, no, let's sell him as a slave. So here's my question. Could you forgive your brothers who were going to kill you but they decided to sell you as a slave? And that meant it, to Joseph it's over. He, you know, it, he's going to be a slave the rest of his life. Could you forgive your brothers who did something that drastic to you in your life? Well, let's look at the story. Chapter 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, Jacob has died, and uh, he's kind of their insurance policy, okay, because Joseph was his favorite. They said, well, perhaps Joseph will hate us and actually repay us for all the evil we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sin for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father and Joseph wept as they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before him. Sounds like the dream Joseph had, right? They fell down before him. And they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? Notice that phrase, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me. God meant it for good in order to bring about it as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now, the only way he could speak kindly is if he's already dealt with forgiveness, okay? This has been a long time. Years have passed. He's already dealt with this years before. But this is the first time the word forgive is in the Bible. And it it means in the Hebrew to absolve fully or to release from penalty. The most common meaning means to lift up or bear. So that's what Jesus did for us. He lifted up our sin off of us, bore it himself, then releasing us from the penalty and absolving us fully. Now, I've said this in, in every test and every message, but I, I, mean, I have to say it again, because if you, if, if you can't fulfill this, if you can't pass this test, you can't fulfill your destiny. Uh, if you can't learn to pardon people, forgive people, you'll not fulfill the destiny God has on your life. Now, did Joseph have valid reasons uh, to feel betrayed and abused? Oh, yes, he did. He, I mean, what they did to Joseph wasn't accidental or, 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 or misunderstanding or lack of communication. It, 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 was, it was treachery. It was treason. What they did, I mean, it was horrible. In the, la- in, the, in the chapter before 50, 49, I want you to back up and look at this because this is Jacob, the dad, blessing the 12 sons who are going to be the leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel. And he's going through the blessings and calling them and speaking over their names. And he gets to Joseph. Okay, Now, they're grown men. And here's what he says about Joseph in verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful bow. A fruitful bow by a well, his branches run over the wall. The archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him, and hated him. But his bow remained in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. These verses say that Joseph was a fruitful man, but archers have bitterly grieved him. The word archer in the Hebrew, it means to master, a a piercer, or a wounder. So the archer pulls back the bow, shooting the arrow. The purpose is to master 
the other person you're fighting. The archer represents the person that allows the enemy to use them to fire arrows at other people. So the archer here was actually his brother's. So instead of Jacob, when he's saying this, saying his sons have wounded and brought great pain to Joseph, he uses the metaphor of archers. They shot arrows. Joseph suffered physically. He suffered emotionally. Thirteen years, we've gone through the story. Archers of today represent people who take the words from their mouth out of the attitude of their hearts, and they shoot arrows at other people. And those arrows are meant to wound you, to hurt you, to put you down, to cut you down. To put you in place, if you please. Arrows of strife, arrows of bitterness, arrows of unforgiveness. The Psalms likens it in Psalm 64 3. He says, Who sharpens their tongue like a sword and bends their bows to shoot the arrows, bitter words. In the Hebrew, the word mara means make bitter. Remember, Moses comes to the bitter water and the children of Israel, they're going to try to drink it, but it tastes like limestone. It's so bitter they can't drink it. Well, this verse said that archers bitterly grieved Joseph. That means to make someone bitter and unforgiving. So, in other words, the archers come to shoot an arrow, believing the arrows will wound the person. And through that wound that's not healed, you become bitter. Now, here's the sad part of that. When you go over into the New Testament, the Bible says that God cannot answer the prayers of a person in bitterness or unforgiveness. He hears the prayers of people in bitterness and unforgiveness, but he can't answer them. If forgiveness isn't adequately administered, you open the door, you're open prey for Satan's activities in your life. And here, to me, this is the battlefield that he uses. It's the church, the church, your people. That's what makes up the church or people. The church is a place of vulnerability and responsibility. So vulnerability is letting repentance touch my defenses, and responsibility is letting repentance temper my decisions. But our battle is we're past masters of pretense. In other words, we're the church. We come into church, and, and this is the perfect field to cultivate it, but we look right. We act right. We, we, we say the right thing. We dress the right way. And then when we get into a message like the one you're going to hear today, then the Word of God may show you a fracture in your heart or in your soul, a crack, and you don't want anybody to see it, so you're going to pretend that it's not there. I want you to be open, and I want you to be vulnerable to the Holy Spirit and to the Word and let the Lord speak to you. Now, let me go to the New Testament. Go to Matthew 5, verse 23, and let me show you what, what, what the Word says here so we can see the comparison. If you are standing before the altar in the temple offering a sacrifice to God and you suddenly remember someone has something against you, you've come into church to worship God and, and all of a sudden you remember, okay, I've got something against so-and-so. Verse 24, leave your sacrifice there beside the altar, go and be reconciled, notice the word reconciled, to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. In those days, they would come to God and his altar, and here's how they would come to the temple. They would have to bring a dove or a lamb and the bloods to be poured on the altar, and then they would use a priest who went before them to represent them. He would pour out the blood, ask forgiveness for their sins, and they did it annually, okay? So in verse 24, the order is stopped because there's something between you and so-and-so. Someone's hurt. Someone's offended. So he says, go make it right and come back and then make worship meaningful. If your brother's offended you, take him back and forgive him. The question that we have a lot of times is, well, what if he refuses to forgive me? 
Well, that's where the word reconcile comes in because the word reconcile means to alter, to change, or a process that brings change. When you do what's right, God will, uh, will someday then bring good from it. That's what Joseph did. Joseph did what was right, and God brought something good from it. You do what's right, God will make it work out. Well, what, what if I just take it to God and ask God to forgive me because I did wrong to so-and-so, I said something to so-and-so, I offended so-and-so. Well, if you just take it to God, it's a contradiction of verse 24. It, it is easier to reconcile with God than it is with man. Because I, I want to show you how God, see, I think God sees this. Let's just say you're, you're, you're in the parking lot of Publix and I pull in in my truck and I hit your car. You're not in the car, but I, I crunch your car and I do what every good pastor does. I get out and I pray over your car and I get a pad and I write down, oops, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I hit your car, Pastor Jerry, and I lay it on your windshield. Well, guess what? You're going to contact me, Right. Okay, and then you go get the estimate, and you come back, and you say, hey, it, it's $1,000 to fix my, my car, and I say, okay, uh, I'll pay you at the end of the month. The end of the month comes, you get your car fixed, you come back, and, 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 you, and, and you, you come to me and say, will you pay me? And I said, well, I've been thinking about this. God owns all that I have, even my truck. Take it up with him, because he's forgiven me of my offenses. And you, th- you think, that's ridiculous. You own up, don't pass the buck to God. That's how God sees it when we come in to worship him and we have offense with somebody else. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You own that and you go make it right, then you come back and worship me. Don't pull the God card out and use the God card. You man up and you take care of it and you do what's right. And, and here, here's what I want you to see. If, if I've wounded a person, I, I'm not going to take it to God first. I have to take it to the person I've wounded. Why is this important? This is what happens in our culture today. I hate to say it, but it's true. Children wound parents. Parents wound children. It's horrible. I hear it all the time. An offense. I'm wounded. I almost disowned them, or I have disowned them. And then spouses wound spouses. And then sometimes they go through divorce and they're wounded. All of these wounds are taking place. And what does it do? It produces an acid of resentment, which produces bitterness. And if you're a person of pride, remember the pride test? Yeah, here's what we say. They just need to get over it. Toughen up, buttercup. Just, just grow up. You know, we, we get over it. Well, that's what pride says. A servant's heart would say, I, I can't live with this any longer. I want to get it right. And listen, it's not enough to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not enough. You need to sit down with a person and, and you need to go over the details of the hurt and the offense and then not blame them or anybody else and say, listen, forgive me. And just take the ownership of it. If you go, here's what happens. I've had this happen. You hear a message like this, and then you go to a person you've wronged, and here's what people will say. The Lord convicted me, and I know I did something. I said something I shouldn't have, and I I know I need to ask your forgiveness for that. And if you say that to me, here's what I would say to you. Go ahead. Ask. Because you didn't ask. You said you need to. You need to. Because if you haven't asked forgiveness, you just told me you needed to. Most of us don't use these words very often. Will you forgive me? Oh, we'll say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Most of the time we got our hand caught in the cookie jar. Whoops, I'm sorry. No, will you forgive me? And and, and then, you know, why, why, why don't we use these words? Will you forgive me? Well, maybe because we don't use them with God. 
Because a lot of believers get, have gotten to the place where we don't want to talk to God about our sin, our bitterness, our rage, our anger at somebody. And God says, no, come sit down let us reason together. That means come sit down, let me show you what my word says so you can agree with my word so you can get rid of the bitterness. Not only do we not know how to ask forgiveness, but a lot of times we don't know how to give forgiveness. And here's what, this will happen. A lot of times, you, this has happened to you probably. W- will you forgive me? Oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Don't, don't worry about it. It's okay. You need to say it again. Thanks for your graciousness, but will you forgive me? And then here's what, oh man, I forgave you a long time ago. No, you need to be persistent and say, but will you forgive me? You keep on until they say, yes, I forgive you. If you're going to experience forgiveness, you have to come to the place where you admit you were wrong. Here's what we have in our minds. Our minds are phenomenal, but we all have a hallway in the house of our mind. And in that hallway, we have pictures all the way down the hallway. And there are pictures that, of things that have happened to us from a child to a teenager, through, through marriage, through college, through divorce, whatever. And we have taken that snapshot of that wound and that hurt and that pain, and it's in that hallway. And so what do we do? We go down that memory hallway, and we look at this, and we think about this over and over and over. And, and you see, here, here's what we have to say. Those pictures will haunt you. They drain your joy. So... The, the word is saying, get rid of the pictures and then come worship me. Don't, don't hold on to those. When we choose to hold on to our bitterness, we relinquish control of our future. I'm, I'm going to show you how that works. If you say, you know what, just let me have my bitterness. It's nobody's business but mine. It's, a, it's like ignoring that weed in your garden and you don't pull the weed up. It's eventually going to choke out the rest of your garden. Bitterness can choke out Life, it can choke out attitudes, marriages, it defiles people. Let, let, let me give you an example of this. On his deathbed, King David, here's what he did. His son Solomon is going to be the king. And so he's, he, he, he's undoubtedly been bringing him and giving him a list of things to do before he dies, okay? So in 1 Kings 2.5, look at this on the screen. And David says to Solomon, oh, there's something else. You know that Joab, now Joab's his general, you know Joab killed two of my army commanders. He, he killed Abner and Ashma, and, and, he, and they pretended that it was an act of war, but it was done in a time of peace, staining his belt and his sandals with the blood of war. And watch what he says to his son. Do with him what you think best, but don't let him die in peace. Now, this is a man that it's like he, he's the man of his time. He's a man after God's own heart. He's on his deathbed, and he shares a grudge with his son. Here's what he's doing. He's passing a legacy of vengeance to his son. He's saying, see that he pays, that there's pain caused him for what he did. That's the side of David. I, I, I really don't want to see because I, I love David. He, he's so real and transparent. But it may be a side of ourselves we don't want to see. Because what happens when we have bitterness, it's an ugly, deformed creature. So this message has two points. Here's the first one, talking about bitterness. Let me show you some sources of bitterness real quickly. Number one, generational bitterness. You look through the scriptures, not, not just the history of mankind or the history of America. You look through the scriptures and you'll see anger between tribes and nations and tongues. And you look backward and you see that it's carried from generation to generation and that's bitterness. But you can't go back and fix that. But what you can do is decide in your gen- you're not going to pass that bitterness on to the next generation or your children. Another source of bitterness is marriage can be a source of bitterness. It's easy to be bitter in marriage when you start discovering all the unclaimed baggage your spouse has. And what we do is we, we, we don't deal with it. We let stuff build out instead of taking it out and dealing with it. We, we walk around then and keeping all that. And then when something happens, we bring it up and throw it back out. It's like walking around with a cup of bitterness. 
You, you got to get rid of that cup. You got to empty that cup. You got, you got to get rid of all these things. Another source of bitterness is financial bitterness. Some people get ang- more, more, more angry about somebody ripping off their, their, their money than, than they do their marriage going sideways. I mean, I, I, anybody here ever been ripped off? <laughs> yeah. Whether it's $5 or $10 or $1,000 or $100,000, I, I, I guarantee you that if you carry that, you're going to have a source of bitterness because they ripped me off. They deceived me. They lied to me. They cheated. They did this. And, and if you don't let go of it, it will consume you. Remember Esau. His brothers stole his inheritance. And what does the Bible say? He cried out with a loud, bitter cry and sought to kill his brother. And it was years before they reconciled that situation. Another source is emotional bitterness. Joseph's brothers were jealous of him and sought to kill him. If you don't deal with bitterness, it will make you want to kill someone. Now, now hopefully not physically and literally, but it makes you want to kill them with words and attitude and a disposition and and little things that you throw out. Another source of bitterness is spiritual bitterness against God. We, in a situation, people have become disappointed in God. Well, God didn't answer my prayer. God didn't do this. And I thought we didn't have to do this. Well, the, the Lord says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of all. So it's not God, but it's the devil that's to blame. God is good, devil is bad. Okay, I'm going to say it one more time. You say it with me. God is good, good. devil bad. I mean, it is that simple. Now, here's the second point of this message. Watch. How to overcome bitterness. How do you overcome bitterness? Well, if you look at the story of Joseph, you'll see Joseph owned a silver cup. And you'll see the story where the brothers come in and then he leaves one and he sends them back to the father. They don't know who Joseph is and they plant the money, they find the money and then they come back with the baby brother Benjamin who's Joseph's full brother and so what does he do? He has them put his silver cup Why is that important? Because Joseph is a type of Christ. That silver cup represents a cup of bitterness. Jesus, sitting there at the Last Supper, there was one of the cups he had to partake of. That's the cup of bitterness. So it's symbolic of that. I think he had already forgiven them because it has been 20 years, 13 years before he becomes the the, the prime minister, if you will, and then it's seven years before the famine starts. So it's been at least 20 years. He's already forgiven them. He's already dealt with this issue. So this cup is symbolic. But I want to show you how he did that. I think that the key he used to overcoming his bitterness is represented in the next three or four things. Let me show you. Here's the first one. Remember your dream. I think that Joseph kept the dream alive. The psalmist said in Psalms 105, 19, until the time came to fulfill his dream, the Lord tested Joseph's character. I think what kept him going were the dreams that he had until the time came. Listen, you have dreams, but you also have a time that's going to come. There will be a time And maybe because of this and that, all these things that are going on, the time hasn't come yet. It doesn't matter what anyone has done to you or said to you. You have a time and your dream will come. You're the only one that can stop the dream. Not people, not what they say, not what they do, not the circumstances that happened as a kid or as a young adult. No one can stop it but you. Here's Joseph, 30 years old, takes the most powerful position in the entire world and he runs it for 80 years. And God allowed him to taste betrayal and false accusations. And he's forgotten. I mean, it's 20 years. They, they even, man, we don't know where he is. We don't care. We want food. Oh, and then he find out it's Joseph. He's forgotten. Why did God let this happen? To see if Joseph would carry bitterness. As long as you hold on to bitterness, there will be a long, it will be a long time before your time comes because you're not ready. 
there, there's still bitterness. It's like poison. It's like venom. And you're going to spew it if you carry it. So to be great in the kingdom, you need to be a servant who forgives. And that's what Joseph did. Nobody can step into your dream and fulfill it but you. Nobody can touch it but you. You're the only one. Your dream lives and you need to live in the dream, but you can't fulfill the destiny with bitterness. Here's the second thing Joseph did. Remember your mission. He, nobody can stop your mission. The people who hurt you thinks they can hurt you. Listen, I've had to come to realize in, in pastoring that all the things that people do to hurt you, that it's God's dream, they can't hurt the dream. They, they can't. They, they just cannot hurt the dream. If your dream lives, I, I can hurt it. But, but listen, if I'm walking with God and I'm trusting God, and, and there's a dream here, and I'm going toward a destiny, and he's shaping and forming me, everything the enemy tries to do to me will backfire on him. You, you understand that God is up here in authority and power, and the enemy's down here. You understand the enemy is a created being that rebelled and was kicked out of heaven. So he doesn't have all of this that we think he has, and God sent Joseph. He's on a mission, so whatever the brothers have done, God knows And he's going to use that as an instrument to make sure Joseph isn't carrying bitterness and resentment into his destiny. Number three, remember your humanity. Now watch. We read it in Genesis 50. Joseph said to his brothers, am I in the place of God? You may say, well, how do you forgive? How do you forgive when somebody does something like, how do you forgive? I mean, this was horrible. This was bad. Then he says, am I in the place of God? Here's how you forgive. Stop acting like God. I, I, it's really quiet, kind of like a graveyard here, but it's okay. Listen, if you don't forgive, you put, your play, you put yourself in the place of God. Listen to me. If you won't forgive, you put yourself in the place of God. Here's what the Bible says in Romans 12, 19. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take vengeance. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Let me tell you why he commanded us not to take vengeance. Because the word vengeance means to bring justice to an unjust situation. God tells us not to take vengeance because it's impossible for us to do that. We cannot bring justice to an unjust situation. Why? Because we're not just. But pastor, we're justified in Christ. There's a difference of being just and justified. We've been made justified by the only one that is just. And the Bible says God is the only one just so we can't bring vengeance. And here's what happens when we try to carry this vengeance and we're going to repay. Here's what happens. We, we live our life with unforgiveness and you're always trying to avenge yourself. You're always trying to cover yourself. You're always trying to vindicate yourself. And you're always looking at every situation. And they said, and he said, and what are they doing? What are they planning? What are they doing? And, and at work and family and all this stuff. And, and, and you, you see things and you hear things. You spend your life trying to prove something rather than please someone. You realize as a servant of God, I have nothing to prove. I have someone to please. And Jesus is the judge of the world. He will come because he is perfect and he has never needed forgiving. So he's going to come and judge. Some of us, though, because of the hallway and the memories, we, we are the judge, the jury, the prosecutor, all roll in one, and we walk around holding vengeance in our mind. And listen to me, if it's still in your mind, you have problems with it. 
If it's still there and you think about it or you see them or you take that walk down the hallway and you remember that and it stirs up in you and I'm going to retaliate and I'm going to prove and I'm going to show. Then you make inner vows and you do this and you do that. You, you understand you're acting like God. You're not the judge. He's the judge. You can't hold that cup of vengeance. You have to turn it over. If you hold the cup of vengeance, you're acting like God. Number four, remember forgiveness. Your own forgiveness. Remember where you come from. David said, the Lord reached down to save me out of a horrible pit. Remember where you've come from. Remember what God has done in your life. Remember the the man in the parable that he owes the king like 10 million bucks and the king forgives him. Then he goes out on the street and he finds a guy that owes him 10 bucks and he causes a ruckus and has the guy put in jail. The king finds out about it and he's upset and he brings him back and puts him in jail and then releases the tormentors because he's seeking vindication. John 20, 23 says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they're retained. The word retain means a hand grip around the throat. So if someone has done you wrong and you're retaining that, it's like you got a grip around the throat. And and if you don't forgive, it's like you're holding by the throat and you won't let go. You got to release the grip to be set free. You cannot step into your destiny with holding on the vengeance and they did this and they did that and it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, or if it was last week, you've got to let go of it. And number five, remember the cross. We talked about it in the Old Testament, the bitter waters in Marah, and, and Moses takes a tree over that bitter water and he throws it into the bitter water and it turns sweet. That's an Old Testament picture of the New Testament cross. Jesus is hanging on the cross. We know what they did to him before he's hanging on the cross. Everything he went through, the words, the beatings, the, the cursings, the plucking of the hair, the beard, all of that. He, and he's hanging on the cross, and they take a sponge of gall. Gall is bitterness. They stick that sponge in his mouth. Why did God allow that to happen? Here's why. Because God the Father wanted his son to taste your bitterness. He wanted, you, he wanted his son to taste your bitterness. And he, Jesus could have been bitter. Judas betrayed him. The rest of them ran off and left him. But listen, he tasted bitterness. He did not drink bitterness. He just tasted it. Why? So he could relate to us when we've been done wrong. But he didn't drink it. How do we know he didn't drink it? Because right before he dies, he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. I understand it's hard to forgive people for a tremendous wrong, for treachery. I understand it's hard to forgive people who ripped you off and deceived you and lied to you and manipulated your business, your family, your kids, whatever. I understand that. But watch this. When Joseph's brothers saw their father died, that was like their insurance policy, because as long as he's alive, Joseph's probably not going to do anything to us. Then they said, Joseph will be angry with us, hate us, and repay us. So they sent servants with a message. The message they sent is not in the Bible. It's not recorded that Jacob really said that. I think it's a lie. I think they fabricated it because they're in fear. So here's what they did. When Joseph saw that Jacob had died, it says, and they said, and they said, your father commanded us, forgive your brothers, they did evil. They said, before your father died. This is like his dying wish. They said, the father says, forgive the servants, your brothers, and then they want to make it spiritual, so they say, of God. They throw God in there. Notice it said, they did evil. There was never a we did evil. The brothers never repented. They never repented. We, they didn't say we asked for your forgiveness. When they met Joseph, they said, we are your servants, Well, yeah, they were your servants because they were starving to death. They wanted food. They didn't even know he was Joseph. They'd done anything to get food. They're starving. Can you forgive someone 
who lies, manipulates, and never asks for forgiveness? That's the pardon test. And it's tough. Here's why it's tough. I've used this, ana- I've used this analogy before. It's the story of the missionary and a visitor goes to see the missionary and they're, they're going through the land and the jungle and they go through some water. When they come out of the water, there are leeches all over their body. The visitor starts to pull them off and the missionary says, oh, no, don't do that. If you pull them off like that, the hooks stay in your flesh. You have to get in a, a certain type of bath and soak in warm water and then you can pull them off and the hooks come out. You understand that deep resentment from bitterness is a leech that embeds itself in your heart. And you can't just pluck it out by yourself or making a new resolution. I'm just going to ignore. And you can't pull it out by just ignoring it and just kind of forgetting about it. Because the, there are more than feelings that have hooks in you. And, and, and what you need to do is you need to settle down. And allow the bathing and the cleansing of the word of God and the balm of the Holy Spirit to, to restore you so you can pull the leeches off. Because you see, if you have bitterness, it's like a set of scales. If you're heavy on bitterness with no forgiveness, you're out of balance with God. He, he can't answer your prayers. If you're heavy on forgiveness and there's no bitterness, you're balanced because then you're a servant of Jesus. Do you know that if you're a servant of Jesus, there are three natural things that just come out of you? You're a giver. You're a forgiver and you're a forgetter. It's just natural. That's the nature of Jesus. It's kind of like the two boys that had the fight and Johnny comes home, slams the door and says, I'm never playing with Bobby again. And, 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 and mom says, okay, okay, calm down. No, I'm not playing ball with him. I'm not going to his house. And the next day he's going out the door. I'm going over to Bobby's house. I thought you and Bobby were done. Oh, we're good forgetters. Well, that's children. I'm talking to adults. <laughs> that's children. See, some say, well, I can't forgive. You, you don't know what happened. You don't understand. No, I don't. But won't you listen to me? I know someone who does. Because most of the time, what the enemy will do to us is as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult, those extremes where someone has done something with their words, their actions, their deeds, they've touched, they've, 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 they've violated, and that's where the enemy starts the pictures down the hallway. And we've never released that, so that bitterness is there. Those hooks are in the flesh, and there's resentment there. And we can't forgive that family member. We can't forgive that father. We can't forgive that mother. We can't let them go. And, and so that you, you, we, we, we just get to a place where, where we, we, we say, I, I can't forgive. I'm just going to have to endure this. No, you can forgive. It's an act of your will to decide. And, and listen, Maybe you're saying, okay, well, someday I'll work on it. No, I'm telling you that the message this weekend is a now word for somebody that now is the time that God has ordained for you to choose to forgive. And listen to this. Everything that happened to you, you say, well, they did me wrong. Well, sure, you, you, you don't forgive people that do you right. You only forgive people that do you wrong. Yes, they did you wrong, but here's what you need to know. God saw it all happen. And I've had people say, well, what kind of God is that? Oh, wait a minute. He's a merciful, gracious God because everybody's given a free will. That person who abused you and hurt you, they acted with a free will. They they did that on their own. But you need to understand that God saw this. Jesus has tasted bitterness and he has mercy and grace. He sees the wound that has not healed and he knows the trickery of the enemy and he knows how it is in church where people are cruel and hard in words. He knows how it is in the business world where people are cruel and hard and all of this. And he says, if you come to me, 
If you come to me, if you take the pictures off the wall, look at them for the last time, I will start removing those pictures out of your life and I will take the bitterness out and I will replace it with love and peace and understanding. But you have to come to me. You cannot put up the super me and say, I got this and I have a right to be mad and I have a right, I I, I have a right to be bitter because this was wrong. Yes, it's wrong, but it's going to keep you from fulfilling God's purpose and destiny in your life. Uh, understand forgiveness doesn't make the other person right. It makes you free. So we base our decision not on what we feel like doing, but on what we know is right. If I had asked you before this message as a quick survey, how many of you think keeping unforgiveness is wrong? And you, you say, yeah, that's right. You shouldn't carry unforgiveness. Yet there's resentment. And there's bitterness, and when we see someone, hear someone, we run across them, or we think of this, we go down that hallway again, here it comes. we've all been done wrong. We've all been lied to. We've all been manipulated. We've all been cheated, probably. All of these things have happened to us. But listen, life is too short for us to carry this, and God has a destiny. You can't get into that destiny if you're going to carry bitterness. It just won't work because, you see, that destiny is a place where God wants love and joy and peace to come out and not bitterness and spewing poison and all of these things coming out of your life because you're so bitter. I have people who come and they say, you know, I want to serve in this area and this area. And then in, in talking to them, they start spewing. And they, they're mad and they're angry about that. And I say, whoa, 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 whoa. I, you're not ready to serve. I don't want you to serve with that attitude. I don't want you working with kids and you're mad at this and mad at the world and all that. I don't want you on a platform uh, worshiping or playing an instrument or singing with that attitude. I want you to get rid of that bitterness. It's a snare of the enemy to stop us from the destiny. He does not know your destiny, but he knows that anything God has for you is better than what God has for him because his end is short and it's done. It's a made up mind. It's God's made up his mind what he's going to do with him. So the only thing he can do is make our life miserable by keeping us going down that hallway and looking at those memories and stirring up that. Stirring up what dad did, what mom did, what your brother did, what your sister. And listen, I, I'm, I'm not just making that. I hear this all the time. I hear it every week. Yeah, they did this, and yeah, they said that. Oh, yeah, I remember when. We're carrying offenses. We have to let them go, and you can let them go, and you should let them go, and that's what this message is about because, listen, you've received forgiveness fully. If you're a believer, you've received forgiveness fully, then freely you should give full and free forgiveness, and I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know there's not the warm, fuzzy feelings that you want in a service, but this is something that really is important. And Joseph dealt with it years before he ever confronted his brothers face to face. They never repented. They were miserable. They never repented. Are are you okay? Everybody still breathing? Okay. Listen, you have a loving God. He loves you. He understands. Let's give it to him, the hurt, the pain. Let's let him have the wound. Let's don't try to vindicate it. You can't do it. And I know, but they were wrong. And they, yes, but let the Lord do it. Because he's the just one, not us. Father, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for allowing your son to taste bitterness.
because, God, we've all tasted bitterness. And it does stir us up, Lord, when something that's unjust is being done to us or our family. And we want to do something about it. And, and we should, but, but we can't carry the results of that internally. We can't stay in the hallway of our memories and just say, oh, yeah, that happened five years ago, and this 10, and this 12, and, and it just keeps stirring all of that bitterness up because it's stopping us from walking as a true servant, a giver, a forgiver, a forgetter. We can't do that without you. So, Lord, I pray that your message will speak to the hearts of your people and nothing will steal the seed of your word. And may people who hear this go to you and say, Lord, I'm giving this to you. I'm tired of carrying this. Set us free from bitterness and let us walk in the loving grace and mercy of a loving God and that our eyes are fixed on him so we fulfill our purpose and destiny that you have planned for us. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. And the church said amen. God bless you.